Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about stress and resilience, the difference between stress and anxiety, managing stresses that we can't get rid of and how we adapt and recover after particularly tough times. So joining me this week is Dr. Sam Akbar. Sam is a clinical psychologist, trauma specialist, and as will make perfect sense now you've heard the theme for this week's episode, is also the author of a book called Stressilient, How to Beat Stress and Build Resilience. She also founded newsletter The Mindful Minute, providing busy women with quick and practical tools to help them manage their stress and feel happier. So we're going to talk about stress today. Well, stress and resilience, but let's start with stress. How, as a professional person, would you define stress and how is it different from, say, when we might talk about something like anxiety? Okay, so I think uh, I stress is when you feel like you cannot cope with the demands being placed on you. Like your ability, your you feel that your ability to cope with things or manage things um, is beyond what your coping skills are. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how I think about stress. I'd say anxiety is. I would describe that as more as how you feel in your body, mm-hmm. um, and so you can be stressed without being anxious. I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can be stressed without being anxious. Anxiety is a um, part of a, a, a response maybe to something you perceive as frightening and your heart races and your muscles clench and all the fight or flight response. And along with that comes with a constellation of thoughts about anxiety. So I'd see them as different that way. Anxiety could be a response to stress, but not necessarily. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, that was kind of a place I wanted to start because when I think about the word stress I feel like it kind of has different forms immediately in my head because I think you know day to day we might think about stress and it might be you know I've had a stressful day at the Mm. end of the day is is something you might say and people can kind of imagine that feeling for themselves Mm. but in terms of you as being somebody who works on stress kind of like clinically and medically as you say thinking about anxiety I kind of know what that feels like in my body and I think I could kind of list sort of Mm. symptoms of that but thinking about stress that is quite a different feeling so when it comes to kind of diagnosing someone with stress how exactly do you go about that? Well I guess um, you would think more I would think more in terms of anxiety in inverted commas disorders rather than Mm -hmm. stress disorders. So actually what I spend most of my clinical time doing is working on post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, So, but what I've written about more generally is feeling stress in everyday life. So how would you, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, you're, you're a bit stressed. You need this. I'd be looking for more like, well, what is the anxiety here? It could be, PTSD or it could be OCD it could be generalized anxiety disorder there are lots of different anxiety disorders mm-hmm. um so the and they follow a pattern of um how you might feel in your body or how you might think about things or what things you might avoid i guess what i would say more generally about stress is i think you could for example i would say i can go on holiday 
and maybe not be stressed, but I can feel anxious. Mm. Right. Um, and maybe some people feel it vice versa. So, um, actually, I'm just, well, I suppose it depends where my mind goes. Put it yeah. like that. Um, so I think that I would, in terms of sort of diagnosing in as much as psychologists diagnose, mm-hmm. um, I think the difference I would make is that anxiety is, there's sort of categories of anxiety that we know about, where stress, I think, is something, a, a sort of catch-all that we use more generally for, there's a lot going on in my life and I can't cope with it. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you start to work on stress if it's things like because what I would imagine is you know if you're talking to someone and you realize you know they've got a lot of stress in their life that they feel they're not coping with I feel like a lot of immediate advice I guess that you would probably get is things like you know what's the circumstance that's causing you stress change the circumstance kind of but how do we start to deal with stress when you can't change the source of the stress so I mean and then my mind immediately goes to things like long-term illness or you know things like someone's living situation that they wouldn't be able to immediately change how do those longer term sources of stress how do we start to deal with those completely well the first thing I think and I sort of say it at the top of my book which is I can't get rid of stress for you Mm -hmm. and no one else can either If you think about life is full of stressful situations that are often out of our control and often things can seem stressful. You know, you you could be doing, right, Gemma, you could be doing a big event Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to prepare for and um, it's taking up loads of your time. And then you've got like some, you know, you've got to go and see some family member or you've got a friend who's in crisis. Like there's a lot of stress, right? Um, that's not to say you, you would not want to do your big event, right? You'd still yeah. want to go off and do it, but there could be just lots of things going on. So I can't, and, and you wouldn't want to get rid of all of those things out of your life. Um, they are part of life. So I can't get rid of stress and I don't think anyone can get rid of it. And I think part of it is about expectation. So the problem I think comes when, yeah there are these events that we can't control and that are part of sometimes of living life, a rich and meaningful life. Um, So I will always feel a bit stressed, like, is my dad okay? Is my daughter okay? And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't take that away because I love them and that's part of my life. So I can't get rid of that. I think that the problem comes when the, you start thinking, I should not feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. Right. Or I shouldn't be thinking like this. I Or you start getting really caught up with, I can't cope with it. I'll never manage. I'm not a person who can manage. Oh, it's all going to go wrong. And you get stuck in certain patterns of thinking. And then alongside that, maybe you are starting to feel quite anxious or having lots of difficult feelings in your body, whatever feelings they are, and you start trying to push them away. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions, I guess, that you might come to when you've got a, um, a really difficult life situation is rather than saying to yourself, what can I do to stop feeling this way? is to ask yourself, what am I willing to feel in order to live the kind of life I want? So can I make room for these really difficult feelings? Yeah. Instead of saying, how do I stop feeling this way? And that, for me, is quite a fundamental shift in how you relate to how you think about things or feel about things. Definitely. I mean, hearing you kind of ask that question and I think it's it's quite a difficult question I mean straight off the bat I mean we're not you know we're not sat in a therapy session where I'm having therapy about something I'm stressed about but I think that it definitely would be quite a big reframing for me I think to kind of look at those feelings of stress around a situation and kind of 
say what am I willing to feel I get I guess the example you gave of you know say you were stressed or anxious about a big event coming up sort of thing that I guess is an example of well I'm willing to feel that level of stress because yeah that, I, you know I want to do the thing like that's that's what the outcome is going to be or I'm willing to make room for anxiety or I'm willing to make or maybe you mentioned about having a long-term illness mm-hmm. quite often uh, it might be about so the clients I work with are refugees with post-traumatic stress disorder who survived mm-hmm. torture or sexual violence or war so their lives are not as they once were yeah and there are really as you would expect very difficult feelings and emotions that that come up and I think some of the work that we do around that is asking in the face of this awful suffering Mm -hmm. that you did not choose in which you were a victim you didn't want this didn't ask for this um how do you what kind of person do you want to be in the face of this suffering Mm -hmm. because that gives you what are your values what values do you want to show in the face of your suffering both to yourself and to others and to the world um and that's a different reframe as well it's about saying well this thing has happened and I can't change it how do I want to be in the face of this this suffering this really difficult moment you might maybe you're a you know, if you're caring for an elderly parent or a relative, maybe there's no, that's something you're going to have to do. So how do you want to do it? How do you mm. want to conduct yourself? What are the values you want to bring in your, in the, the way that you care for that person? Does that, does that make sense? Like you can kind yeah. of bring to those interactions a kind of quality. So do I want to go, all right, love, Mum, here's your cup of tea. I'm out the door now. God, what burden you mm-hmm. are. Uh, or do you want to sort of, you know, come and, and sort of say, well, actually, the things that are important to me are just showing love or kindness or playfulness. Mm-hmm. And how can I bring that into those interactions? Because you are in, that's something you are in control of. You're not in control of, of often situations around you, but you are in control of what you say and what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so many, obviously you're talking about the work that you do, particularly with refugees and PTSD Mm. in particular. Another example we've just talked about is, you know, maybe illness in your family or, you know, whether that's your own illness. These are are obviously things that they're very different circumstances. And, you know, we might also talk about people who don't have that kind of level of impactful sort of it might be lower level stresses that are kind of day-to-day things you know and we all have different combinations of those that show up at different times are there different ways to approach those different types of stress if you like or is it is it generally the same for me I feel like it's the same Mm -hmm. whether you're looking at something really huge in your life or it's I've had a really bad week and lots of very difficult things have happened I would say because I do a lot of these techniques on myself um, I'd say whether I've had a really just kind of lots of low-level stress over the week or a really big problem I'm doing the similar things yeah and so I think what I like about the approach I write about in my book is it's it's kind of it feels for me universal that these are things you can use with low level stress and high level stress okay so let's talk about your book um so stress resilient obviously we're talking about stress and I did say we'll move on and also talk about resilience is obviously the other half of um yeah stress resilient as as a term um Oh, one of my made-up words. Well, I I love a made-up word, personally. (laughs) Could you talk to us a little bit about uh, the role of resilience and its kind of relationship to stress? Is is that the response to the stress in in your view? So it's all about kind of how you define things, right? So some people would say, well, resilience is 
oh, you never show emotion and you just you think positively and you toughen up and on you get with it. Lifestyle. Toxic positivity. Toxic, <laughs> don't, toxic positivity, I know. Good vibes only. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so th- that's one way of people thinking what resilience is. For me, that isn't what it is at all. And I think mm-hmm. most, most, lots of people would agree with me on this, I think, is that resilience isn't about never feeling the emotions or never having difficult thoughts or never... Um, never getting knocked down. It's about accepting that you do get knocked down mm-hmm. and using good skills and techniques to get back up again. So, And that will happen repeatedly. Right? Unfortunately, if only we could say I've had my one bit of bad luck in life and that's it. Uh, and now I yeah, get back up and I'm done. Way, does it, it sadly doesn't work that way. So resilience for me is about making room for all the difficult things that you feel when you go through a really hard time Mm -hmm. and learning to manage your mind better in those times and to, even in the face of that, to kind of be able to act in line with your values. Mm -hmm. That to me is resilience. So the resilience is not that you never get knocked down. Resilience is that you are able to get back up again. Okay. And so what kind of tools do you discuss either with, you know, patients or clients or whatever your preferred term would be? Yeah. Um, and kind of in the book, what are some of those tools and coping mechanisms that you would suggest to people? Okay. So I guess I sort of, th- th- there are a few main things. So the first is that I think is most helpful is before you really un start undertaking that the first thing is a little bit of understanding how your mind works Mm -hmm. and I wish I had known this when I was like 25 Mm -hmm. (laughs) so how your mind works is that it's just in gear for fear it's there to spot threats it's there to feel like there's danger around every corner and I used to think that this was a very abnormal thing yeah but it isn't it's actually how you're built in evolutionary terms, it makes sense to pay attention to danger in the environment. Sure. Okay. Um, The other part that's really important to know is that your brain has the capability to feel very fearful and then think about things that will happen in the future that might go wrong, as well as having Mm -hmm. the great ability to ruminate on what you've done wrong in the past. So you've got this kind of... um, kind of reptilian brain which is sort of looks for danger everywhere Mm -hmm. plus your sort of more recently evolved brain that can sort of sort of think about things so it can judge your feelings often negatively why why are you feeling so anxious what a loser you are and it can think back to previous events it could say well god last time you tried to do that well it went wrong didn't it I mean do you remember why it went wrong so you're in a conversation rather insane conversation and we all are it's the other things we have everyone is doing it Mm -hmm. Um, which is so comforting to know it is so comforting isn't it and I feel like as a mental health professional it is helpful to say these things happen to me I found that very reassuring when I was training and I heard people say no it's not that I don't have my own things. Yeah, I'm not sitting here with a big cigar and a glass of whiskey going, I'm so never stressed. <laughs> I love that. Never have any problems whatsoever. Um, though I'd love you to think that is absolutely not true, mm-hmm. um, especially if you could see the pile of washing I'm probably sitting in. Um, I mean, that's highly relatable as far as I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, kind of that that idea that we're all doing it, we're all thinking about, the, you know, obsessing about the, the future, ruminating about the past, catastrophizing, and our brains are built to do that. And mm-hmm. I wish I'd known that earlier, because I used to think, why can't I just, I really remember having this thought um, when I must have been in my mid-20s, which is, why am I not happy all the time? Oh, my God, Yes. 
Did you yeah. have that? I mean, so th- this is the thing. I will relate to this a lot as well. And it's kind of throughout, well, throughout most of my 20s, to be honest, the kind of like ups and downs that I've had through depression and anxiety yeah. and like what well, but de- depression particularly in that sense is kind of going through different sort of treatments and kind of being on antidepressants in the past and like those questions do really come up and it's kind of like what is the goal and is it to feel okay or I, th- I think often kind of more towards the beginning when you just feel quite sad all the time the mm-hmm. aim is to kind of feel happy all the time and I feel like you know the further you get through life I think it is one of those things that annoyingly people say you know this kind of the wisdom that comes with age is you realize that that is never gonna happen (laughs) to be happy all the time and if you stop aiming for it it, it's so much easier completely isn't it it's so counterintuitive stop trying to be happier and you might be Mm -hmm. happier yeah but somewhere along the line we have grown up thinking that's what will happen Mm -hmm. and oh it was it's a shock then (laughs) You're not going to be happy all the time. Yeah, I think the less you expect or aim to be happy as a consistent state, the more I have found that you appreciate the times that you are happy. Yes, and I think how you define happiness is really important. So there are different kinds of happiness. And um, do you describe... Do you feel, so I think what I felt, maybe we all do when younger, is what you're craving is that kind of high happiness, that sort of hedonistic happiness of being in a club and you're with all your friends and you're having a great time. And, you know, that has a, well, maybe it's not true, but it probably has a time stamp on it. Like it doesn't okay. go on forever. But yeah. then loads of people are now going to ring in and say, oh, no, it does. Uh, and you're just sad and don't go out anymore, which is also entirely true. Again, highly relatable. <laughs> so I guess there's that kind of happiness. And then there's a kind of contentment mm-hmm. happiness. Um, I think the, tr- the real kind of pitfall is thinking that it's not normal to feel any other way. Yeah. And I think that's where it's useful to know that your brain is kind of evolved to be a bit negative. Yeah. Makes sense. And I think that would have really helped me. And that's one of the things that I really write about in the book because I think it's it's such a useful starting point. Mm-hmm. Um. So how are you built? How is your brain built? So that's that's one thing I think is helpful in that idea of resilience. Yeah. Um, the second thing I, I, I wrote about is kind of how you can think better. And that doesn't mean having more positive thoughts by any means, mm-hmm. because that isn't the answer, right? The more you try to think, not think about something negative, the more it will bounce back in your face. Yeah, the whole don't think about a pink elephant thing, right? Yes, yes. My, I'm, I'm sort of into white bears, so okay, that's right. my thing. I, I go for the white bear, but pink elephants, you know, whatever you like, whatever funny coloured animal you like, you can do it with. <laughs> so, you know, the idea that you try and push that pink elephant away and not yeah. think about it, not think about it, it will come back not only more frequently, but also with more intensity. Mm-hmm. So the more you try to say... Oh, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not struggling. I'm not struggling. I'm not struggling. The more it's going to bounce back more. And the answer to that actually isn't to stand in front of the mirror doing your like, I'm awesome Mm -hmm. face. Um, because it, it, it does, it doesn't work effectively. Sometimes it does. And, you know, some people find that helpful, but it. I think it's problematic if that's your only thing. For me, and the way I approach it, um, the way to manage it better is to change your relationship with those thoughts. And so you look not at whether they're true or not, and you don't try and outrun them with your positivity, because your brain is always it's cleverer than you are. It's going to get the better of you. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, the answer for me is to learn to see those thoughts for what they are. They are thoughts that go through your mind and to acknowledge them as such. So, you know, to treat the thought, I'm a massive loser, 
in the same way that you might treat I need to buy printer ink. Okay. And and that feels like a massive leap for people, but I can honestly tell you, I feel like that that ability to change how you relate to your thoughts really helps people. Mm-hmm. So if I if I asked you, if you want to do an example, do you want to do an example? Sure. Okay. Okay. So if I ask you to come up or whoever's listening, right, come up with a thought that uh, really bugs you. I, what, one, pick a judgment about yourself. So my quite frequent one is I'm a failure. That kind of thing. Oh, oh my God. I mean, I, I love you so much already. I hate even hearing me think that by yourself. <laughs> um, okay. So mine would be, okay, one that I really struggle with and I'm probably going off topic already, but I have slightly struggled less with, but still is the fact that I'm lazy. Late. Okay. Which is now like very tied to what I now know is ADHD, but that's something that I really beat okay. myself up for. And if I know that I've got things to do and kind of just get a bit overwhelmed by it and end up doing none of it, it's the thought that I'm lazy that I really struggle with. Okay. So I mustn't nickname you lazy bones then. Absolutely not. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Gemma, just um, really bring up that thought. Uh, I'm lazy for you just so just really get it up in your face really think you know that I have got so much to do I'm not getting it done I'm lazy so I really want you Mm -hmm. to feel like it's there oh yeah I'm very uncomfortable right now are you uncomfortable I'm so pleased that's what we like in therapy okay so you're uncomfortable I'm delighted um so you're thinking I'm lazy okay so really buy into that now I just want you to instead of saying I'm lazy you just say, I'm having the thought I'm lazy. Okay, yeah. What does that do to that thought? I'm lazy. I'm having the thought I'm lazy. I feel like it would suddenly kind of remove it from me. To distance? It's kind of, yeah, it kind of, it feels like, this is very therapy-esque but it felt like it was right in my chest and now it kind of feels like it's about 20 centimeters in front of me (laughs) love it okay so there's a bit of distance from you okay so now if you want to go bit jedi level you ready Mm -hmm. you ready oh i don't know let's see shall we you ready to, to to kind of really go into your deep jedi training now yep i'm ready okay all right take it a step further by saying I'm noticing I'm having a thought that I'm lazy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and now suddenly I'm a person who's in control because I'm aware of the situation. Does that make make any sense? Yeah, does that that feel like it sort of goes a bit further away even more? I'm noticing, I can just notice that I have that thought. Yeah, I mean, I think it would, I'd say it feels like a little bit more cerebral in nature rather than okay yes so more meta judgmental yeah like yeah. I'm now okay so if we said it's moved in front of me now you're kind of like looking down at it okay so there's more distance yeah okay so let's say you're having that thought I'm lazy and you and you've you have got loads of things to do mm-hmm. right when you've got that distance does it make it more or less likely you could engage in the things now that you need to get done more for sure yeah I can I can see that already and it does it kind of I I feel like I talked about this in maybe quite a different way when I did therapy some years ago and that was something that was very much geared towards kind of anxiety so rather than even being thoughts about myself it would be you know kind of Mm. worrying about xyz thing happening and that kind of like thought labeling as an exercise as we discussed it I I did find helpful and I think yeah that it makes a lot of a lot of sense to me only by experience um but yeah being able to and I mean it it doesn't it doesn't always and it's not like you you learn this thing and you you can always do it instantly but yeah being able to kind of look at a thought and be like almost kind of like writing a list of what thoughts you're having like takes them off you yeah exactly and there are different ways of 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 doing things but the aim is always to see it as thoughts 
They're not mm. directives. They're not commandments carved in stone, right? These, even these really painful judgments about ourselves, can we treat them as, you know, I'm lazy and I've got to stop at Tesco on the way home? You know, it's that mm. kind of level of, can we learn? And honestly, it sounds so impossible, and I remember when I first kind of learned about this, I was like, oh, my God, if I'm not my thoughts, who am I? <laughs> oh, God. OK, kind of worse. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I remember being on a plane to Trinidad. I almost wanted to jump up in the aisles and go, ah, ah, oh, is anyone, see, that, do, that do, do people know this? That sounds very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's just about sort of beginning to, and as you practice it more, you begin to see, OK, oh, hey, my brain is off on one today. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, I'm, 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 wow. It's really got something yeah. to say about this today. Whereas before, I think previously, I would have really got caught up in that. And now it's not like it makes me feel good, but I can say, okay, is this, is it helped me to get really caught up in that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, so, so I guess, you know, they're, 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 uh, that is one technique I cover that I really like, but there are lots of others in the book about kind of having this different relationship with your thinking not just to kind of get rid of it, but so you can do what's important because you've got this space yeah, to do that. So that's one. So I guess it's managing your mind, having a different relationship with your thoughts. And then the other part, I think, um, well, there are various parts, but the other thing that I, I think we've touched on a little bit already, but is important is that idea of emotions and how you can feel better and what I mean by feel better is how can you experience your emotions or have a relationship with your emotions rather than just feel good things yeah yeah so for me I'm one of those people that only wants to be happy I don't like feeling sad it's just I'm in I could possibly be in the wrong job I don't know what's giving me that clue right now um but uh I I kind of and I I I want I try and be open about that because I think it's helpful to to hear that other people find, emo- even professionals find emotions really difficult. Yeah, I'm not sitting around going, oh, sadness, come to me. I can make space for you. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'll hide under a blanket till it's all gone away sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think what what is helpful is to learn that you can make room for those really difficult emotions. They won't kill you. I think I might honestly have once believed emotions could finish you off. Uh, <laughs> right. right. And, and it does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah. You do I feel mean, sometimes really intense emotion feels incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of, it's making me think of, um, you know, you're kind of saying you, don't want to be sad it's making me think about tv I mean a lot of things make mm. me think about tv me but too. so I'm I'm someone who I'm I wouldn't go and watch a sad film for fun like I don't and I again maybe that's the depression experience I'm not yeah. in the habit of attracting sad feelings into my life however my probably <laughs> probably my most common and worst catchphrase that drives my boyfriend up the wall is that I like watching kind of drama and thrillery kind of tv shows but I sit there while I'm watching it saying this is so stressful this is so (laughs) stressful and I say it all the time but that's obviously stress that I'm you know willingly putting myself under so it's all but I guess you're in control of it yes so that's that's the kind of thing where yeah you'd look at it and that's why I think it's it's really interesting to talk about these kind of coping mechanisms as well, because most of the stress that comes into our life, we don't ask for. No. So what do you do with that then? I well, don't the, yeah, want this, it, this, but this you've is got it. I mean. Yeah. So that, I mean, I mean, that's why I think that this conversation will hope, hopefully be helpful and kind of the stuff that you can't get rid of. How do you deal with that? Cause I think, I do think it's, it's quite common in the kind of like, mental health anxiety especially sort of conversation Mm. and people who don't understand depression very well will also use this for depression and kind of act as if everything is situational and by changing your circumstances or environment or situation act like that's really easy and what we should be aiming for is to kind of oh well that thing's causing you stress we'll just get rid of it then and that isn't how life works and I think that's why 
I'm grateful to you for you know speaking to us today and how do you face those things head on rather than just you know pretending they're not happening yeah and um you just you probably could couldn't well you could try and control those things couldn't you but it would could potentially quite curtail your life Mm. and actually what do you do because if you want to have relationships with other people in any way yeah there will always be times when some of those relationships will entail stress Mm. or challenges um so I think one of the things that you know kind of talk about is is making you know thinking about what am I willing to feel in order to live the kind of life I want so what what difficult emotions am I willing to feel and how can I learn to make room for those yeah and some of that there's some practices in there about how you kind of are able to do that uh and how you can kind of see yourself I like this way of thinking it as a place where emotions happen mm-hmm. but not that you are that emotion so um I've been uh, bleating on a, in the last podcast I was on about this so, so it's all you know over my Instagram feed but it's this idea that I like that you're the sky and and that your emotions are the weather and sometimes it's sunny and sometimes there's a tornado but you're not harmed as the sky by those emotions, you can make room for that. And sometimes I think some of these things sound a bit cheesy. I get it. But actually, when you start to think like that, it is really quite liberating. Yeah, no, and I love that. And that was, I actually shared part of that clip um, onto Instagram stories when I was asking our listeners to send in questions for you. And, you know, obviously people were sending in questions, but some people were just replying to that story saying, I love the way that she's talking about that. I think that is a really powerful well, thing to I think yeah. what, I mean remind me no one said I had a bad hair day I was having a very bad hair day that's what I'm more worried about that's my stress <laughs> no, nobody said that nobody said okay. about your hair. All right. but yeah it was yeah, I was just was... having a thought then I was having a bad hair day maybe I should do that stressing <laughs> about it just take it away from you but yeah, yeah no I think that's that's kind of a nice place to you know end this section before we move on to Q&A mm. is yeah it, I thought that was a really nice way of looking at it, as in the sky is still there and it's fine after those after that yeah. weather has passed. I thought that was, I think it's it's almost quite a common uh, piece of imagery that people talk about in terms yeah. of mental health, the, the whole kind of like stormy skies thing. And you understand why, because I think you talk about stormy skies and most mm. people can kind of connect an emotion to that. But yeah, I thought I thought it was quite, it was a quite different, way of looking at it the way that you were phrasing it I think it's it's about just changing your relationship a bit with your think your thoughts and your emotions so that you can show the kind of values that are important to you and that's I guess the really the third really important part of things is being able to why are you doing all this not to chase happiness always but to show that you are you, to show yourself that you can act in line with what's important to you and maybe using that as a barometer of happiness rather than a internal state so i feel full of the joys that i would feel if i were dancing barefoot on a beach in goa mm-hmm. maybe occasionally swapping that out for you know today i I had an interaction with someone and I I displayed the values that are important to me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. 
Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Louise, who says, I sometimes feel like stress defines my whole life. When I'm stressed at work or at school, I can't seem to relax at home. And when I'm too stressed and have a huge to-do list, my body or mind tends to do a complete shutdown. Even basic hygiene seems like a huge task at this point, and I tend to skip it. So my question is, do you have any tips for a healthy way to cope with stress and how to avoid those shutdowns? Gosh, poor Louise, that sounds like uh, you're under a lot of stress if even kind of basic things of looking after yourself are falling. I have to say, when I read that question, that sounds more like burnout than stress to me. So I feel like, uh, yeah, that's, that's, you're heading quite hard into not looking after yourself. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's those things that fall, you know, sleep, eating well, fall out of, of the, our repertoire very quickly. Um, Yeah. What I would say to Louise is actually, where is there room? What can she control at home and at school or wherever she's working to make, to reduce some of those things? So what situations can she change? Yes. Where can she ask for help? Yeah. Okay. So she's she's got so much to do. That's the other thing. I think one, I wonder whether you might, whether she might find another book helpful, which is called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, which is basically, Mm -hmm. it's brilliant. And it's not so much about stress management. It's more about kind of how we will never get it all done. Yeah. You will never get it all done. No wonder if Louise is, and I might be wrong, I don't know, but she feels like there's so many things to do and they have to all be done or at least or even done well what what are the things that can that that can be ditched yeah where and and those things that can be ditched as long as no one dies they can be ditched sure it feels like they can't but she's so at the edge of kind of being able to cope with that Mm -hmm. right now there's just she can't hasn't even got time to really look after her basic needs um and then she's shutting down because yeah. she's exhausted. And as you say, it sounds like she's burning out. So I think trying to, um, I think, get some help, right? Number one, I think this is a lot to, for her to deal with on her own. Yeah. Um, whether she gets that professionally or speaks to someone about where is their wiggle room to reduce some of the things that are hot on her plate. Because I think she has to, she, she, mm-hmm. it would help her if she could reduce some of that. And then when she can reduce some of that is then she can start managing the other stuff um, a bit better. But I think the first thing I would do if I were her is just try and what can I, what can come off my plate? Yeah. And, and start prioritizing some of her really basic needs. Yeah. Thank you for that. I hope that is helpful to Louise and yeah anyone else who might feel in a similar situation it's yeah it's one of these things it's difficult isn't it when it's you're you are a doctor but we're talking on a podcast so it can't it can't be as super specific but I love quite frankly that I'm able to you know pass on some of these questions because yeah some sometimes it's you know that might be the first step to absolutely to being being able to yeah sort of see that that help is needed so I hope that was helpful Next question is from Teresa and she says this question is about her daughter who is 17 and she says my daughter while she's a kick-ass independent girl her resilience is close to zero. She gives up and crumbles whenever things get too tough and I find it really heartbreaking. My question is how do I support her through this? She's always been like it and it's only getting worse with A-levels and her driving test coming up. I think maybe helping her draw out the times when she has got through things. And so there will be times when she's crumbled, but has she, how has she got through them? Mm-hmm. And to help her kind of start trusting in her own strengths. And they will be there, but she can't see them. So just, I think one of the things might be to go back uh, over the last few years and just try and um, work out where have there been times when she's felt more capable 
And what was, you know, what did she do that helped her feel more capable? Mm -hmm. What was she thinking? What was she feeling? And just helping her really kind of hone in on some of those occasions where she has been more resilient. So she can kind of take control of that narrative that I'm not resilient. Yeah. And and going forward to, to help her keep building that up. I'd be interested to know or what this the the lady could ask is whether um do other people come to her rescue a bit to help her out of that as well and whether you know how can she yeah. take more control of of the situation so she's got A levels and um and her driving test coming up now some of that will be about well, how do we plan that things are happening in a way that aren't overwhelming? But also, how can she start to change the story that I'm someone who can't cope? And the way to change that is by doing things that prove to yourself that you can cope. Yeah. Yeah. So some behavioral experiments, we'd call them, about doing things that I can cope more than I think I can. I I, I could. Yeah, God, that's such an interesting answer. I think... Yeah, that is. I mean, I I think I've definitely had the tendency in times where I've been like, oh, I can't, mm. you know, I'm sensitive. I can't cope with this sorts of thing. And I do. Yeah. I feel like that's the first thing you know therapists will tell you is you t- you, you don't can't avoid do the it, thing because yeah. that just teaches you that, <laughs> that you're right and you can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Last question is from Matilda, who says, when you go through prolonged periods of stress i.e. for me, surviving the pandemic, while first-time parenting to twins born in spring 2020. Do you need to do more to recover or will you be able to weather the storms and eventually just move on from a hard time? Can people be permanently damaged by very stressful events? What does she, I suppose it depends what you mean by permanently damaged, right? Yeah. So I think... Um, Will you always feel that you went through a definite time? Yes. But what does it mean to be permanently damaged by an event? What does it mean? Does it mean you don't function in the same way? Does it mean that you feel you're different? The answer to that question is a bit tricky because it's quite an idiosyncratic answer, depending on that that person. Mm-hmm. What She has been through an enormous enormously big stress Uh, and I wonder if she does feel quite permanently changed by that one thing I think is really helpful is to maybe go back and think about that time break it into sections and write about it and help yourself process what you went through Mm. I really do think there's a, a lot to be said in that because you can look through, you can write back and, and think about how you think thought about things then, how you think about that that now, how you're making sense of that now. Maybe there mm-hmm. are more strengths there than you re- realise. But just I think that is quite a useful exercise to do when you've been through a really traumatic, stressful experience is to write about what happened um, in quite a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. And I help that think that helps you make sense of of your emotions. She might also be interested to read about post traumatic growth because actually lots of people, yes, maybe they do feel they're changed forever, but a lot of people feel that they they grow in a more positive way because of their traumas. They find out something about themselves. They find out mm. um, what they were able to cope with or what they couldn't cope with, but they learn something and they take that forward. So she might want to have a Google of post-traumatic growth if she feels like she's been through something that she's really struggled with. Um, how you take that forward with you. But the first thing I'd do is, I'd, if I were her, I would, I'd, I'd write about it. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I have three things I ask every guest. And so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to and something to watch? Okay, so my something to read is um, 
a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Some of your readers may have heard about that, but he was a Jewish psychiatrist who survived the concentration camps. And he talks about how people found meaning in those experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very short book. It sounds much heavier than it is. It's actually really, it's moving and it gives hope. And it's about how even in the worst worst circumstances you can possibly imagine you're okay. still in control of how you how you show your values and I think it's a really um valuable book so I would read that um okay my thing to listen to yeah. is um I guess I I sort of go on and off with podcasts but one thing one podcast I do like and I think they um do this well talking about mental health things is Glennon Doyle's We Can Do Hard Things. Okay. Yeah. Um I think that there's always a, a an episode there that she brings a really personal element to it uh of her own vulnerabilities but also it's very very funny. Uh and her honesty is very funny. She does it with her wife who is uh very famous footballer which is also why I like it uh so I would recommend uh that and then the thing to watch is Ferris Bueller's Day Off okay yeah that's the thing to watch because I really so Ferris Bueller's Day Off as most people who've maybe there are people who haven't watched it in which case where have you been um but it's about a high school boy he's 17 he take he bunks off school and he's he's in real trouble if he's going to get caught and he's got a friend who's incredibly anxious he convinces him to bunk off school for the day Mm -hmm. and I really want to believe I'm Ferris but actually I think I might be the anxious friend oh I'm Um, always the anxious friend in any example (laughs) I know I want to sort of think I'm Phoebe or Rachel in Friends but I'm Monica running around with coasters and putting lids on pens (laughs) Um, but it's just a great, he's got a great line in there, which is life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. It's, it's a sort of, it's his life in a day and it's just, it's sort of really brilliant. Uh, and I think when you're feeling stressed, that's quite a great, great film to go to. Thank you for listening and thank you so much, Sam, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a rating and a review as well. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.